morning, everyone. Welcome to the uh, Carolina Weather Group. We hope that uh, you are doing well. This is the Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018 edition of the Carolina Weather Group. This is show number 250, which is really cool. That is uh, a milestone for us. So uh, we're happy to have you joining us tonight. We uh, have uh, Chief Meteorologist Damon Lane on from, uh, with uh, KOCO in Oklahoma City. Uh, Damon is our guest tonight. And uh, we had uh, Damon on, I think it was about two years ago, in severe weather coverage. And I have an alarm going off here. Severe weather coverage took Damon away from us. So we finally got Damon back on the show tonight. So uh, we're happy to have him with us. We are a live broadcast. So if you are watching tonight, you can interact with us one of numerous ways. We're streaming on Facebook Live as well as uh, Periscope and on our YouTube page. And if you're listening to the podcast version, we will um, let Damon give his information out towards the end of the show that way. If you have any questions or if you just want to give Damon a follow on social media, you'll know how to do that. So uh, we're kind of a little crunch for time, so we're going to skip our weather introductions. Um, so we will get uh, basically to our topic. So Damon, like I said, we've had you on before, but uh, we want to welcome you again. Thank you uh, for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you for the invite. Uh, anytime you know you can get a, a group of meteorologists and a bunch of uh, you know weather fanatics together, and there are no storms to uh, to ruin our chat. Uh, always a good night. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I remember last time we tried doing this, and uh, all of a sudden I look up on television, I see these severe storms going up, and uh, thinking, well, this one's gonna be cut short. And as luck would have it, we actually had some storms going up in southern Kansas this evening, but they're not gonna come into Oklahoma till after midnight, so we're good. <laughs> That, that's typical Oklahoma weather, right, Damon? Mm -hmm. <laughs> for so, sure. For sure. So, so Damon, um, my first question to you, and uh, we're just tonight we're just going to do anything. We're going to talk about weather, Oklahoma City weather, the uh, things like that. But uh, what a lot of people who are joining us tonight may not know is you have several connections um, here to the Carolinas. I do. I do. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, uh, I first off, I'll start with if you were to look into my wardrobe and this might actually you know, make some people upset, but there's a lot of Tar Heel blue in it. I just want you, I just want you to know that I actually uh, I graduated, got my meteorology degree uh, from the University of North Carolina at Asheville. I still have family that's scattered all across the Carolinas, both North and South Carolina. Uh, my mom lives down in the Wilmington area. Uh, my brother recently moved out of the RDU area. Uh, I have a lot of aunts and uncles that are in the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, so I still uh, I still keep in touch uh, with, uh, with 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 what's happening in North Carolina. Got a lot of family kind of scattered down around uh, southeastern uh, North Carolina. So um, I know you all just had a, a huge weather event, uh, and I can tell you right now, you know, for someone that uh, you know being out in Oklahoma City, and uh, you know definitely knowing what. What can happen with these big weather events and really especially how the stories, you know, continue after the big television cameras, uh, you know, leave. Uh, my hearts are definitely out to uh, to everyone out there that's still dealing with the uh, with the effects of what was once uh, Florence. Yeah, Damon, you guys um, really do know about um, severe weather events out there. Uh, you grew up in northern Virginia. What, what kind of drew you to the Carolinas? What was that, that thing that drew you to Asheville uh, to want to pursue meteorology? You know. I, I've been asked that question before. I, I really don't know. I, I remember, you know, back in high school, um, I enjoyed weather and uh, I went, I actually first went down to Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, I was going to do more of an oceanography thing and, uh, you know, kind of tie in some meteorology. I, I knew that I, I somewhere wanted to be involved in science. Um, didn't know that I wanted to go into broadcast 
meteorology. I actually thought that I was going to become uh, going into the aviation sector. Uh, so I went down there and I remember I, I took on an internship at Old Dominion. They said, you have to have an internship. And so I went to a I went to the CBS affiliate there and in, uh, in, in Norfolk, uh, WTKR. And the guy that I was mentoring under, um, he said, you want to be you want to get in the television weather. What are you doing at Old Dominion? He's like, you got to go get a meteorology degree. So uh, I graduated uh, early at Old Dominion, and then I actually wanted to go to NC State. I, I had my heart set on going to NC State uh, to get my degree, and I applied, and they, they accepted me, but they said, well, you already have a Bachelor of Science degree, so we can't give you full-time admission. You can become like a part-time student, so you can take no more than 12 credit hours a semester. And I'm like, well, well I don't want to do that. And so then I sent out another application out to uh, UNC Asheville and got in there and found myself in Western North Carolina. And after that, found myself all the way out in West Texas. So let me tell you right now, when you go from Asheville, North Carolina to West Texas, where they didn't plant the trees as early, uh, it was a big culture shock. But I, I really did enjoy my time in, uh, in the Carolinas. Uh, and I still find myself, I still find myself, you know, finding, finding ways to go back, you know, seeing family and what have you. It's a beautiful state. And who was the, uh, chief of WTKR then, or who was the meteorologist at TKR? I, I grew up in that area, so. Okay. So, uh, when I was there, it was Dave Parker. Okay. Uh, so this was back in the late nineties. Uh, morning, uh, morning weather was with, uh, Mike Simon. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I actually, I, uh, I interned the mornings, um, and worked with them. And, and of course, I, I remember I did my internship and it was only supposed to be for a semester. And I had so much fun after that one semester. I said, you think it's okay if I keep coming back? And I'll tell you right now, uh, they will never deny help on the morning show for as many hours as it is. And he's like, yeah, sure. Come, you know, come as much as you want. You're not getting paid anything, but if you want to continue to watch. Um, and so I did. And then uh, it took about, I took about four months before the news director realized that I was still coming in. And she's like, you got to go. <laughs> Your internship is over. Uh, so I did that for about a year almost. Cool. And so, Damon, you were talking about Western North Carolina, moving out to Texas. Uh, Texas has a little bit of different weather um, from what we have here. And then from Texas, you moved into the Oklahoma City area, correct? Correct. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, th I thought that I had that right. So Correct. Yeah. talk to us about the transition from Texas to what a lot of us meteorologists call the, or the weather hotbed area of Oklahoma city, uh, where, uh, it's, it's the, the main attention grabber in the, in the whole weather community normally is in the Oklahoma area. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's the biggest city in tornado alley. I'll actually take it back a step even so and, and talk about first my transition from Asheville, North Carolina to, uh, uh, to, uh, Abilene, Texas, because first off, uh, in television, you, you apply, um, and, and when you apply for your jobs, you know, you're, you're trying to, to have someone say, look, I want you to hire me. I have absolutely no on-air experience, but please give me a job. And so uh, I found myself out in Abilene and I went out there sight unseen. Um, no one had ever, uh, you know, kind of showed me any pictures of Abilene, Texas. I mean, we had the internet. This was back in 2004, 2005, but I had never been to West Texas at all. So I heard a lot about it in country songs. And I'm thinking, well, 
it can't be that bad. I mean, I've heard about it in country songs. Um, and, and it was actually, it was, it's a really nice town. I mean, yes, it is West Texas. And so you're not going to have the beautiful, you know, green, tall trees or anything like that. But in, in a West Texas standpoint, uh, it was a lovely town. But <clears throat> I remember my very first uh, week on, on air, and it was at the end of April. And I went on and I said, guys, it's going to rain today. It's going to be gray. It's going to be a horrible day. Immediately, we had a farm and ranch reporter. Remember, this is West Texas, so we have a farm and ranch reporter. He came out and he said, uh, Damon, I, I need to tell you something right now, buddy. He's like, it is never a bad day when it rains out here. And we're talking about an area that averages at most about 20 inches of rain a year. So rain's a good thing. So that was a huge transition for me was to everything that, you know, I grew up, you know, where we hated rainy days. It rained all the time in the mid-Atlantic, it felt like, um, to going out to West Texas where it might rain, you know, once a month, you know, and uh, and so uh, that, was, that was a big transition. I was on the southern fringe of Tornado Alley. We, we had a lot of storms, but West Texas is very, very, uh, you know, kind of, out there in the sense that all your population centers are pretty much in one spot in the county. So you can drive for, you know, a good solid 30, 45 minutes and not, uh, not really come across any, you know, anybody, you know, except just a bunch of uh, cotton fields, wheat fields, uh, you know, ranch lands. So we would do severe weather coverage there, but I can't tell you how many times, you know, you'd see a supercell go up and they, they were pretty big um, and they would, you know, they'd, they'd stay over open land. Uh, our television, market down there was very large uh it it went from um a little town called knox city texas we were the abc affiliate for abilene but we were also the abc affiliate for another television market south called san angelo so literally our television market went almost all the way down to the mexico border and there were many times when i you know look out my window you know look out you know in the night sky and we'd be doing overnight storm coverage and i'd see thunderstorms i'm like how closer to those storms and they're like right on the Mexican, the US, the US Mexico border. Uh, but there are people down there. And so obviously we had to stay. Um, but the big the biggest transition of all was as the crow flies, Abilene and Oklahoma City are, are not that far away from each other. Uh, but the weather is is much different. You know, obviously the, the tornadoes, uh, we see, you know, more frequent tornadoes up here, but also the population centers are much closer. And so while, you know, we can have storms that we feel sometimes like they're out in the middle of nowhere, they're really not. Uh, there are a lot of little, you know, population centers kind of, you know, more so in, uh, in western and central Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, there was seeing the impacts of storms that were happening to people, you know, what may have been a baseball size hailstorm in Texas that didn't touch a single property was now touching people's homes here. So there's a big transition from that as well. So, you know, to kind of go back to your question is that the transition, especially from Abilene to Oklahoma City, was that a uh, lot more people um, and the, the, the effects on people are much greater as well. Uh, that, you know, that that's really kind of been the biggest thing of all. The storms are going, always going to be the same, you know, as far as storms are storms, uh, but, but who they affect. Uh, bigger population center, much bigger television market. And uh, the very last thing I'll say about it is that um, you know, in Oklahoma City, we have created this demand and this, you know, this desire of what television coverage should look like. And, uh, you know, in, in Oklahomans have gotten used to that. It didn't happen overnight. You know, it happened a long time ago. 
But that right there is a huge learning curve as well, because there is this sense of, of how we do weather coverage. And it's different in Oklahoma City than other television markets. Um, but it takes a lot more uh, dedication, uh, you know, knowing that you are going to uh, miss Christmases. I, I've had to miss a Christmas before. Um, I've had to miss, you know, many events before uh, because storms, you know, it's if you want to look at what people care most about in Oklahoma, thunderstorms and the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> Damon, I've heard you, I think it was last year, maybe the year before that, you and Chris Center gave a, a talk at the Tornado Summit, and you were talking about the, the severe weather coverage in Oklahoma City. And I may have this a little bit wrong, but the numbers uh, of folks watching severe weather coverage could compare to somewhat what Oklahoma City would, would see during a Super Bowl. You know, those numbers kind of run parallel with each other. It's incredible. Uh, you know, yeah, if, if you look at television coverage and you hear you hear it a lot and people will say, oh, you know, you know, news is not the way it was back in the 70s. First off, I'll tell you right now, back in the 1970s, people that I, I that I've talked to, they were hearing the same thing. Oh, television, you know, television's dying. You know, no one's really watching television anymore. Um, but in Oklahoma, uh, television is, you know, sought after much more now than, than ever before. Um, you know, when you look at weather coverage, yes, our numbers, when you combine who's watching weather coverage will easily exceed that of the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, a good example, let, let's take May 20th, 2013, which was the more, you know, known as the Moore tornado, uh, the EF5 that went through. If you add up all the people in the Oklahoma City market, uh, which is very large, that were watching local coverage that day, uh, it was about 94% of all television sets were turned to a uh, to a local news channel that day. We average about one, I think we have about 1.2 million people and about 700,000 households that uh, have television sets in the Oklahoma City uh, market. And I'm convinced that the 6% of people that were not watching local news that day was because they were without power. Uh, it's huge, yes, every bit, you know, people love their weather coverage, um, you know, and rightfully so, because our weather out here can get pretty bad. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about some of those storms here in just a little bit. But um, talking about the weather coverage, you guys, you have an army of tools to use. I mean, you've got helicopters, you've got storm trackers, you've got uh, chasers who who work for your station, who go out and, and cover these storms. You have Michael Armstrong, a meteorologist out in the field. So uh and Ricky, I'd love for you to join in too, because you do this severe weather coverage too, but it's kind of different here where we live in the Southeast. So Damon, you have a lot of tools at your disposal when you're doing the severe weather coverage. It's uh, it, it's incredible. You know, we are owned, uh, KOCO Television is owned by a company called Hearst. And, uh, you know, when, when you look at, when you look at, you know, what weather coverage means to people out here. And we kind of joke, you know, in the newsroom, you know, news is what we do while we wait for weather to happen. Um, but Hearst says, you know, look, what do you all need to succeed? And because we have created this demand of what weather coverage should be like, you know, they say, look, whatever you all need to succeed, you know, if, if you use it, we'll give it to you. Uh, you know, and we just bought 
a brand new helicopter about three months ago, you know, hearing a television station getting, we already had a helicopter before, but we got a bigger one, a stronger one, one with a bigger fuel tank, one that's got a stronger engine so we can in, deal with our weather uh, longer, you know, is incredible. You know, so we, a helicopter, you know, <clears throat> outfitting our storm chasers with some incredible technology, you know, uh, it, they all get, you know, a, you know, backpack, you know, TVU backpacks and, and cameras and 360 cams and all this stuff. But it's, it's what you need out here to succeed. And especially, you know, in Oklahoma City, is that if you're not willing to make the investment in weather coverage, then how can the viewers make an investment in you? You know, if you don't have the best out there, uh, then then you're not going to win. This is a very competitive market. If you're not winning weather, you're not winning. And so uh, so it's it's a big market. It's one that demands a lot. And so yeah, uh, you know it's 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 fantastic. And you know even as we look at what you know, especially here at KSU we have done even in in the last year, not only getting a new helicopter, but uh, back in the 1980s, a lot of television stations started jumping on buying radars. Uh, you know, the radar was the sexy thing to have in a weather station back in the 1980s. Well, television radars have about a 30-year shelf life before, you know, the, the warranties are long gone and things have to start getting replaced. And you've seen as National Weather Service radar has gotten much better, and especially with new technology like sales, uh, that can really bring in the data faster into uh, a, a, a television station. You know, the need for TV stations to still have weather radars is kind of not as big of a deal as it was back in the 1980s. Um, but, you know, here at KOCO, they're saying, oh, you all need a new radar. You know, here's $1.2 million. So, yeah, you know, the 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 tools that, you know, we are given access to out here. And it's not just even, you know, what we have at a television station, but, you know, even with companies like the Oklahoma Mesonet, where, you know, there's a ton of weather stations all across the entire state here that give us all this detailed information is there as well. So Oklahomans know their weather and they expect their meteorologists to have, you know, the top of the line stuff. And so, you know, like I said, uh, if you want to be serious um, about weather coverage, you have to be willing to invest. And that's exactly, uh, you know, what we're lucky to have here with Hearst. I think, uh, you know, KOCO and Oklahoma Station, they're like the major league team, Scotty. And uh, we're like the little league teams when it comes to weather coverage, mainly because, you know, as Damon kind of alluded to, we don't have to do it as often, uh, especially here in my area. It's been uh, two and a half years since we've had a big tornado event. Um, and the equipment isn't necessary. But as you said, though, having that investment stands you apart from everyone else. Um, and makes Oklahoma City a leader in television weather coverage. I mean, just the helicopters alone, you're trying to think, oh, they're sending a helicopter to chase tornadoes. As a pilot, that seems a little crazy, but, uh, you know, Chase does an awesome job. He does. Uh, you know, and and Chase has done a lot. Uh, before Chase Rutledge, our helicopter pilot, was here, and he's been here for a while, but he was actually uh, working the border. Uh, he was a Border Patrol agent, and he would fly around, and so – you know, a lot of times we have helicopter pilots that come in here and, and they're filling in and they say, you want us to do what? You want me to get within seven miles of a thunderstorm <laughs> of a thunderstorm and, uh, and, and do what with it? You know, stay in front of it. No, uh, no, 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 no. But Chase says, Oh, he's like, 
I've, I've dealt with much worse down on the border. He's like, this is <laughs> this seven miles. He's like, I can get five miles if you want. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you have to be committed and you have to have the right people that are willing to say, look, uh, you know, we, we understand what is expected of us. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're very fortunate to have, to have that. I have seen many meteorologists come and go out of Oklahoma city. And I'll tell you right now, what this what this weather market expects and what our weather can do can either make you never want to be a meteorologist ever again or can make you say this is where i'm staying uh you know there are some people that come through here and they say oh you know i'm i'm just coming through oklahoma city first off there's no such thing as a nine to five job or an eight hour day when you're a meteorologist in Oklahoma City, uh, you know it it takes a lot, and um, and I've seen some people that that their contract is up, they leave Oklahoma City, and they say, I never want to see a thunderstorm ever again. Absolutely not. It takes a lot. I probably have a lot more gray hairs on me now than I than I used to, uh, you know, when I got here. Um, but at the same time, and and, and I'll be the first to, to say this. Uh, and, and a lot, and, and a lot of us say this. No one wants there to be bad storms out here. Uh, you know, no one here at KOCO. I hate it. I mean, I'll tell you right now, living in Moore and having experienced an EF5 tornado, I'll tell you right now that that's the worst thing that anyone will ever have to do. But we we know that there are never going to not be any storms out here. We know storms are always going to be happening, and so uh, you you have to prepare yourself. And for anyone that's watching this show right now. Uh, you know, a young meteorologist that you know wants to wants to get into uh, get into you know research or, or, or television, you have to know what you are getting yourself into when you come out to Oklahoma City. And Damon, one more uh, one more question. I want to while we're talking about this, and then I want to kind of talk about some particular storms you've covered. Um, I've told you this before in person. I love your approach um, of how you you approach these severe weather days. Um, there's several meteorologists in your market that are crazy, crazy, you know, they just all just hit the rev limiter and they don't let off. I like your approach. Talk to us about how you, when you see these, these days coming in, talk to us about your approach on, on how you were going to cover this. And I also want to piggyback it with this next question. It seems like you and, and Jonathan Condor have a great relationship in the way that you do these severe weather coverage. I mean, you guys are just a great working team. So uh, maybe talk about your approach and then maybe how you and Jonathan do this wall to wall coverage so greatly. Sure. Uh, well, thank you for, for the compliments there. You know, Oklahoma weather, you know, it's 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 crazy enough as it is that it does not need any any hyping on it. You know, I mean, our, our weather is 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 bad enough. You know, I mean, it, tornadoes and, you know, if something crazy is going to happen. It always seems like it's going to happen in, in Oklahoma. But, you know, the, the buildup, especially to a storm day is, um, you know, it's people want, people want to know. And, you know, we call tornadoes, these, these low probability, but high impact events. You know, there's a very low chance in anyone's lifetime that they're ever going to be directly impacted by a tornado. But if they are more than likely, it's going to be the worst tornado they have ever experienced. You know, we, I know a lot of times, especially, you know, people that the, the news headlines are always, you know, about the big tornadoes, the big, the big wedge tornadoes, EF4s, EF5s. Um, you know, I'll never forget a couple, couple years ago, we had an EF1 tornado that just kind of skipped across town. Um, and, I, and we interviewed this older lady. She was probably well into her 70s, about 80 degrees, 80 degrees, 80 years old. 
And she said, this is the worst tornado I've ever seen. And it was an EF1 tornado, but it was the only tornado that she had ever seen. And so the buildup and how you prepare for these severe weather days is not so much you know, concentrated around, you know, oh, is it going to be a big EF4, EF5 outbreak? Or are you going to be there for that person when they have their worst weather day ever? Uh, you know, so it's much easier to scale back your coverage than ramp up. So on a typical severe weather day, you know, we very well, you might look at our plan and say, are y'all planning for like 25 tornadoes and, a, you know, and a bunch of EF5s? No, but if you are, if you're late getting out the door, you know, to go chase a tornado or whatever, you're, you're already behind the game, you know? So back here we say, well, look, we'll, we'll put a lot of people out there. And then if we have to tell them, you know what, this isn't panning out the way that we expected it to, you can go ahead and go home. Um, but if everything's going crazy and you're like, oh my gosh, we're not, we're not even fully, you know, you know, prepared for this storm, um, you know, then your coverage is going to suffer. Uh, Jonathan Condor and I, you know, we have, we have a great relationship. He came here shortly after the Moore tornado back in 2013. And so, uh, you know, we've been doing this for five years and it's not so much, you know, what, you know, what him and I do on air, but a lot of, of, of how we're able to interact on television is what we do off air on these type of days right now. I'll tell you right now, you know, we're, we're geeking out and we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, nerding out over, you know, looking at all sorts of, you know, weathery, sciencey stuff. Uh, you know, for example, just the other day, you know, when we were watching the tornadoes up in Pennsylvania yesterday, uh, you know, we were we were back here, you know, with, uh, you know, with GR and we were looking at all this stuff. And so when you're able to, uh, you know, kind of build that build that uh, team, that team around what you do off air it just makes going on on air much easier. And so, yeah, you know, he's, he's doing this, I'm doing that. Um, but you know, he's uh, he's a great partner to have, uh, you know, and, and especially in this, in this severe weather, uh, you know, uh, capital of the world that we're in, um, you know, between him and Michael and myself and Eric and Shelby that we have on our team and all of our storm chasers, we just get each other. You know, we, they know what we're, what we're looking for. Um, you know, I know what they're going to do. Uh, it's not something that you can just do overnight and the next day you're going to be able to do it. It takes a lot of work. Um, but building those relationships is is what helps us out and puts us where we are today. That, you know, and you can tell that from, from watching your coverage. Um, and a couple of storms we want to hit on because uh, we know that, that you got just a little bit of time with us. Um, the, obviously, the, the, uh, the more Oklahoma tornado that you're talking about uh you uh i believe this was the year after you become the chief there at koco uh and this one really had effects on you because on may 20th you know you're you're doing severe weather coverage but you're also communicating with your wife because this this ef5 tornado is is almost in your neighborhood so kind of talk to us a little bit uh if, if you will about that day and just kind of what was playing through your head, knowing that you've, you've got a job to do, but you also want to make sure your family's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you, you want to talk about, you know, jumping into the deep end, you know, with, with both feet. Um, I'll never forget, uh, you know, right after I become chief uh, back in, in 2012, you know, there were, there, there are online bloggers, you know, and they were like, Damon Lane, you know, like, why, why would they hire him? You know, he was doing mornings, you know, I mean, 
uh, you know, I guess we'll see, you know, can he handle the big day? And there are a lot of meteorologists that will go decades and decades, and they might not, not ever even have a big weather event. Um, and, and I'll never forget, you know, I'm sitting in, in my GM's office and their news director is in there and she says, you know, look, we know you can do this. You know, we, you're the guy that we trust that we think can can handle a bunch of EF5 tornadoes all happening at once. Um, but, you know, does the viewer know that? And so, you know, after I became chief and we went through a couple months of, you know, not really having a whole lot of what I'll say weather, you know, weather really wasn't all that that active and they said, oh, you know, you know, yeah, he's he's up there talking about sunshine, you know, whoop-de-doo, you know, is he going to be able to do a, you know, do a tornado? Well, on May 19th, we had storms that went up, and they went up just uh, in, over Oklahoma City, and then they really did a bad, lot of bad stuff just east of Oklahoma City. And I woke up uh, the next day, May 20th, and look at the, the information, and the dry line is pretty much just a little bit farther west of Oklahoma City. And so I went into work early that day. And of course, the, uh, the, the, the weather, we knew that there were going to be storms. You know, everything was still, you know, still kind of looking the way that it did the previous day, uh, just a little bit farther to the west. So um, I kissed my wife at the time. You know, it was just my wife and I and our dogs. We didn't have a child at the time. And I, I kissed her goodbye. And I said, hey, you know, um, might be a long day. So at about noon, <clears throat> I sent her a text message and I said, hey, you probably want to go home early today. Storms look like they're going to go up about one, two, three o'clock. You don't want to be on the roads when these storms are going up. I still have the text messages saved. And um, we started our weather coverage, and we had one storm that went up, and it kind of fizzled out a little bit right over Oklahoma City. And we thought, well, that there was that. And when you looked at all the weather information coming in that day, everything targeted well south, like the Lawton, Oklahoma area. Um, but just kind of looking at all the details that we had and what I have the previous day, uh, we, we pretty much bunched up a bunch of our storm chasers from Oklahoma city down to Newcastle, down to Chickasha, and then some just down, uh, by Lawton, Oklahoma. And suddenly a storm's going up and we're in our coverage and I looked down and my wife had just sent me a text message and she said, Hey, uh, you know, what's going on? And I, at this point, the storm's already, you know, hooking up. And I'm like, get home now. And so she's going home. I'm on air. There, this huge tornado is happening. And suddenly I get another text message from her. And she says, I'm trying to race home really fast. I can see the tornado behind me. Well, go back about six months prior to that. We had just gotten married. And as a, as a wedding gift, someone gave us a storm shelter. Of course, I'm joking, thinking like, why am I going to need a storm shelter? You know, I mean, I'm if I'm at home and a tornado is coming into more, I'm in deep trouble. I should be at the station. Well, because we had just gotten married and she had just moved in, she didn't yet have a key to her house. She had always entered in and out of the house through the garage, electricity. Well, she got home about 30 seconds before the electricity went out. She sends me a text message. She says, I jumped into the tornado shelter. We had a big husky Malamute. Um, and she said, uh, Skyler tried to bite me, um, so I put him in the put him in the pantry. And this tornado is coming right into our neighborhood, and I'm, f you know, I'm 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 freaking out off camera because I'm not knowing, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, my wife is going to make it or if my house is still going to be there. But I knew that I can't freak out on television. If the meteorologist is freaking out, how are you supposed to stay calm? You know, well, I didn't hear from her. 
for a little while. And as a matter of fact, the very first time that I actually heard her voice was live on air. Um, I gave my phone to my general manager and I said, get my wife on the phone. And, uh, and she went on air and she's like, it looks like a war zone in our neighborhood. Uh, you know, there's, there's no way that you can ever prepare yourself for how to handle yourself on television when there's a natural disaster happening, you know, whether it's an EF5 tornado or a hurricane, you know, as much as we are here to present the weather, uh, you know, we, we are also ex experiencing the weather um, personally. And I remember I, I didn't go home that night until about three o'clock and, and our house was for the most part, just fine. If, if you ever look at, uh, you know, tornadoes, look at it from an aerial shot, you know, you can have one street that is completely knocked out and there's nothing standing on the street. And then another street looks like it was hardly touched. Uh, and we were kind of in that area, you know, hardly touched other than some cosmetic damage, a little bit of roof and some window damage and some fencing damage. Uh, you know, what we had compared to the front of our neighborhood, uh, you know, there was EF5 uh, damage in, in front of my neighborhood. Um, that right there was, was very difficult. But what made it even more difficult was, um, you know, years later, and I'll never forget uh, the following year, uh, uh, ABC in 2020 wanted to do a docudrama on on the storm and, and especially targeting the tragedies of what happened at Plaza Towers Elementary where a wall fell down and, and uh, killed uh, a bunch of children. And I had never talked about the storm. That was the very first time that I'd ever talked about the storm because I immediately went into recovery mode. And I remember like I, I was sitting down and the producer was in front of me and I cried so much because it was the first time that I had ever, uh, you know, kind of opened up and kind of expressed my feelings about it. And that's one thing, especially those that are watching in the Carolinas right now, um, is that, you know, you all just went through a, a natural disaster as well, is that while you all are very busy right now in cleanup mode, is that it's totally okay. And I highly suggest, you know, just go into your neighbor's house and just saying, how are you doing? You know, what, what's your story? Everyone has a story of what happened with that, with that event down there. Um, because what can happen is people keep it bottled up inside and they never really get over it. Uh, I, I talked not that long ago. Here we are now. It's been over five years since we've had that tornado. And I talked to the more, Oklahoma school superintendent. And I said, do y'all still have children that are, that are suffering? He's like, yes. He's like, we don't, we don't talk about it a lot out loud, but our counselors know what to look for. And our counselors today are still talking to children who are now, you know, at the youngest going in the middle school or at the oldest now going into high school. And, uh, and it's still a, a big time deal. So, you know, never, ever be afraid to, uh, you know, just to ask, you know, whether that person experienced tragedy or, or what to say, hey, how you doing? Um, because for me, and even, you know, to this day, I still tear up a lot talking about it because um, I, I never did. I never did talk about it before. And so, Damon, you know, a couple of days later, May 31st comes around, um, 2013, especially the month of May, um, pretty rough for you guys. Uh, another pretty traumatic tornado developed in El Reno, and you had to do this all over again. Not with the family part, but, you know, covering the, another major tornado. And the freakout factor that day was at an all-time high. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, May 31st, you know, as, as we know, is the El Reno Tornado Day. 
uh, it was very easy for us. We, I mean, there was no doubt about it where the storms were going to develop that day. Uh, in an area as Canadian County, Oklahoma, it's just west of El Reno. Um, we had bunched a bunch of our our crews that out in that area, and people were were panicking because of what had happened on on May 20th. But we were also kind of in a we we're in a very unsettled pattern for those next couple of days. We didn't have any big tornadoes, uh, but we had a lot of kind of like minor weather events. Um, but that day, I'll never forget. We started our weather coverage before we even had the first cumulus cloud go up because we knew it was going to be bad and had our helicopters up and I'll never forget, you know, I mean, the the storm is raging and it and it's going and it's doing all sorts of crazy things. And, you know, even at myself, you know, I mean, here I am, you know, still a, a, a rookie meteorologist in Oklahoma and we're looking at the supercell and we're like, what is this thing doing? It's, you know, we, we kept getting these updates and it would say moving southeast at 45 miles per hour, moving northeast at 70 miles per hour, moving north at five miles per hour, stationary, moving again. Like it was doing these crazy, crazy things. Um, I'll never forget one of our most veteran storm chasers here at the station, Chris Lee, who has been he has seen hundreds of tornadoes, been doing this well over 35 years. And he's always been the, the safe storm chase for us. Like I can always count on on Chris giving very credible advice on not only what he's seeing, but also, you know, not, not doing anything that you're just like, Oh, you're going to get yourself killed doing this. But on that day, uh, that storm behavior was just wild. And at one point my eyes were big and, and I said on television, I said, Chris, you are way too close to that storm. He had a reporter with her, with him. She ended up quitting three months later because of that storm, she came back and she's like, I, I never want to do that ever again. Um, and so she, so she left here, but people were doing all sorts of crazy things, you know, I mean, driving on the wrong side of the road, uh, you know, first off Oklahoma city, you have three major highways that come in the town. It's a Friday afternoon. You have I 44, you have I 40, you have I 35. And here you have this beast of a storm that's crossing right over the highway. Uh, and, and while a lot of us, you know, we talked about the, the tornado of that day, we had more people that were killed that day because of flooding than the tornado itself. Uh, you know, we, the biggest, when I look back at that event and where I feel that, you know, we, we the, the, the television media did not do that great of a job was we did not have a Spanish television station in Oklahoma City one that was able to transmit in Spanish, uh, you know, 10% of the Oklahoma City area is uh, is Spanish speaking first. English is a second language. Um, and one of the, uh, you know, one of the tragedies that day was was from a, a family um, where English was not their first language. And they went into a sewer drain concerned about the tornado coming in. Um, and they ended up, uh, you know, they all ended up dying. Um, and so, you know, it was that event right there, though, that actually brought Telemundo into Oklahoma City. So, uh, you know, a lot has changed from those two weeks of, of crazy weather. But uh, the El Reno, the El Reno day, the Moore day, I mean, there we experienced more severe weather in that 10 day stretch than a lot of people will ever experience in their lifetime. Yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, from watching afar, it's just amazing to see 
you know, that, that stretch of time come in with, with those major outbreaks. Um, another tornado that I had just briefly written down just a couple of years ago was the Winniewood, Oklahoma tornado. And that's, I think just because, and I know we're, we're running a little bit close on time. So I'll, oh, you're I'll, fine. We got about 10 more minutes. This is a lot of fun guys. This, I enjoyed this. <laughs> um, Chris Center, one of your, your storm chasers really got some great footage. And I think you, it may even win you guys some awards for for the coverage of that. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, that was just, just crazy how close he was and, and but in a safe place and, and just another, you know, amazing coverage by you guys. Yeah, that, that day was, uh, it was, it was funny because actually before the storms even went up, we actually had a plan already set out for all, for all of our storm chasers that day. And, uh, uh, you know, Sander walked into the, to, into the weather center and he said, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just go down here. I don't know. It looks like it might be, you know, the first to go. Then we said, all right, you know, that that's fine. And he got, he was actually northeast of the tornado, which a lot of times you hear people say, oh, you want to be southeast of the tornado, being able to look into it. He was northeast of it and he was chasing by himself. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, he, he was in, an area that, I mean, just the, the visual effects of the storm, you're able to see it so well. And he got up on top of the hill and looked right down into it. Um, you know, and it was it was that investment, especially as I told you, you know, that Hearst, you know, they will invest in their employees if you're willing to, you know, to, to utilize it. And uh, he had just gotten a brand new backpack, uh, a brand new camera, and uh, and he got down there and uh, I mean, to this day, I'll never forget, I'll never forget my Twitter feed is blowing up and I'm thinking like, did I say something on television that I shouldn't have? Because I had, I, I went over and looked and I had like, you know, 190 mentions or whatever. And what had happened was, uh, Dallas Fort Worth station, uh, W WFAA, I think it was WFAA, one of our sister stations down there, uh, you know, pretty much broke into their weather coverage and said, uh, there's some craziness happening right now in Oklahoma. Look at this video. And they were trying to commentate over it and kind of, you know, talk over the video. And then eventually they just said, we're going to shut up right now. And we're going to let Oklahoma say, we're going to let KOCO go ahead and take over the airwaves here in, in, uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth for the next 10 minutes. Cause this is some incredible stuff. And so I had a lot of people that, a lot of friends on the Dallas area and they're like, Damon, you don't know this, but you're on live right now in the Dallas, Fort Worth area. I had a friend of mine in South Africa because uh, we're also a CNN station and CNN International picked up the live feed as well. And she was in South Africa and she just so happened to look up and she's like, that's Damon Lane. I, I know that guy. I used to work with him. Um, but it was uh, it was incredible. And yeah, the following year we took home uh, uh, a bunch of awards for that one being uh, an Emmy for breaking news, which breaking news is actually a news category. So when you have weather that is winning a news category, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big day, uh, you know, and, and our, uh, you know, it's, I still look back to that day and, and, and I look at that storm. I remember on, on television thinking like this, I don't, I don't even know what to say about this. Like I almost felt like just stepping off the camera and saying, look at this. Cause words, nothing that I was saying was going to, uh, was, was going to, you know, provide any, I guess you could say additional information to the storm. I mean, other than telling people where it was going, it was just it was so crystal clear um, and, and just incredible, incredible video. Yeah. And to this day, we still, we still utilize that, you know, all over promos. <laughs> Damon, a question, you know, you guys obviously get a lot of big tornadoes, a lot of big weather events. 
when is kind of the moment you know to ramp up your tone or to, or take a different tone uh, that we've seen people react to? You know, that's, that's a great question. That's a really good, good question. The, the time that we begin to ramp up our tone, um, it, it, it kind of varies. You know, it's you look at more of the impacts that that people are are dealing with. Um, you know, if, if you've got, you know, golf ball size hail coming into a town and you know it's going to do some harm, you definitely ramp it up there. Um, but also knowing, you know, when when the storm is expected to go to kind of take it up a notch, you know, let's say you have a severe thunderstorm warning, um, you know, and you're, you know, it's a, it's a severe thunderstorm watch. Okay, well, that was expected. The days that really concern me and when we really begin to ramp it up is when, let's say you have a tornado watch, you know, and you've got a, you know, a pretty legit tornado probability. Let's say you got a 10% hatched, 15% hatched, um, you know, or you've got a PDS tornado watch and you start getting your storms going up. You know, there are some days where we kind of joke back here and we say, oh, the dynamics of today, you know, are so are so out there that I bet they're just the second a storm goes up, they're just going to put a tornado warning on it because you had those type of days. So it, it really varies on on what the data is telling you, uh, you know, what the atmosphere is capable of producing. If it's July and you have, you know, your LCL sitting at 3000 meters and you've got a severe thunderstorm warning. Well, you know, that's going to kind of be your your garden variety type severe thunderstorm warning, as we call it out here. But if it's May 15th and you're in a high risk and you've got a storm going up and you know that it's not a matter of, you know, will it tornado? It's, uh, you know, or if it's, if it's going to tornado, it's, you know, at what time is it going to tornado? That's when you really ramp it up. So, uh, you know, each day is different. Um, you know, it all kind of depends on what the atmosphere gives you for the day. Um, but you know, you definitely, you can have your days where it's just kind of, you gotta say, you know, weather, and then you can have your days where it's like weather with a capital W E A T H E R type thing. I love the fact that in Oklahoma, we can use tornado as either a noun or an adjective or, or a verb or, or whatever. It depends on, uh, depends on how yeah. that day's going. <laughs> you know, it's tornadoing today or they're going to be tornadoes or, yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. Jared, you got something? Yeah, Damon, you know, on these cap all caps weather days, how do you keep your cool on air? And, oh. and how do you keep going for hours and hours? <laughs> I, um... You know, sometimes I'll look back at a weather date. I'm thinking like, wow, we just did that for six hours. Holy cow. Um, you know, it's uh, one thing, especially that uh, that I, I do have to do out here is uh, energy shots. I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, if you look in my drawer right now, you see a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of energy shots or, um, you know, and, and I'm not afraid to admit it, but there have been some weather setups when I look at it, I'm like thinking, you know, oh, the next two to three weeks are going to be crazy. And I'll go to my doctor and I'll say, I need a B12 injection. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a B12 shot, uh, you know, costs about $15. And it's those days when, uh, you know, it, I can wake up the next morning having only taken two hours of sleep and it feels like I took eight or 10 hours of sleep. You definitely get an extra pep in your step. Uh, but the thing is that out here, you, it goes back to you have to be there for your viewers and your viewers don't care if you got two hours of sleep the night before. They don't care if you're so tired and you can barely keep your eyes open. What they care about is, are you there for them? Um, you know, and actually before we did, before I, I went that route, we had a day when Dr. Oz uh, came into the studio and he was promoting, you know, his, his 
television show and whatnot. And uh, so I actually was watching him. I'll never forget. It was the day that Hurricane Sandy struck because he actually lives up in New York City. And uh, he was like, hey, what's with this with this storm? And I'll never forget fanboying. <laughs> I was a fanboy talking to Dr. Oz in the makeup room about uh, about weather. But I asked him, I was like, you know, what? what's the deal? You know, what is, is it OK for me to do this? And he said, look, it's OK for you to do it as long as you do not let it become permanent in a way in which you are trying to cover up an unhealthy lifestyle. Uh, and, you know, out here you can have, uh, you know, a stretch of, of, of weather days where you don't get much sleep. Um, but there are going to be a lot of days when you do get enough sleep for the night. So he said, you know, if you do it for a little bit, you know, if you do these B12 shots and you just do it when you need it and, you know, and, and not permanently, then you'll be fine. So uh, so it's kind of crazy. And some people kind of look, you know, you know, open their eyes and they're like, you get you get injection shots. Uh, but out here, sometimes you have to. Damon, last question for me, and because uh, I know we've got to let you uh, got to let you go. But a question we get here in the Carolinas that kind of applies to you out in Oklahoma. Uh, severe weather, obviously, is tough to forecast, but you guys also have a tough time with winter weather. It seems like you guys get a little bit of everything. And even this past year, or the, just recently this year, back in February, even got some lake effect snow there in Oklahoma City. It's crazy, you know. Yeah, and there's this joke, and every time you know you you get a weather model, and, and especially nowadays, you know, you get you get someone that wants to post hour three eighty four the GFS, you know, and it shows you know that Oklahoma City is getting twenty five inches of snow or, or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's snow winter weather forecasting is difficult for us out here, mainly because of how far south we are. And it's rare that we saturate the entire column below freezing. You know, there's always going to be a warm nose in there somewhere. And so it's a lot of ice and, you know, a lot of ice and some snow mixed in and what have you. Uh, so, yeah, you know, winter forecasting is difficult out here, especially because, you know, it can we can have pandemonium over a freezing drizzle event. Uh, you know, so that's that's difficult. But I'll never forget, Scotty, I'm so glad that you brought this up. Um, because we were, we had a, just a, a geek out fat, a fest last, uh, last winter when one of our lakes was producing lake effect snow. The lake is only about like five miles long. It's not that large. <laughs> if even five miles it might even be more like three or four miles, but, um, it was really warm and we had a nice little pocket of cold air that just went, went right across it. And yeah, we got like an inch of snow in a narrow area. Um, there was another event that happened a couple years ago. Where and if you go on YouTube, you'll totally check it out. Um, it's called Lake Overholzer Snow, and there is a power plant right next to the lake, and the steam that was coming out of the power plant, very warm, and it was a very cold day, literally generated about four inches of snow in a like a, a one mile by one mile area. Um, it, it was nuts, and it kind of goes back to what I what I mentioned earlier. Uh, in this hangout is that if something crazy is going to happen, it always seems to find itself somewhere in Oklahoma. So, um, you know, anyone that uh, is ever thinking about, you know, what, you know, Oklahoma to fly over state, you know, should I go out there? Um, if you love science, if you love meteorology, uh, there's definitely a lot of a lot of fun out here. There's a lot of craziness. Um, but it's been happening for decades and hundreds of years now, and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. It's like that little satire video. Uh, I can't remember who put it together, but it was Oklahoma weather, and it featured all of you guys. It went from 
blizzard warnings to four, you know, wildfires to severe weather, flooding. I mean, you get it all there in Oklahoma City. I know you love your community. Uh, you're a big Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Uh, my last question as we close up is tell, tell folks here in the Carolinas why they need to come out to Oklahoma City. Say that again. Uh, tell, tell folks what, what is so cool about I mean, I enjoy going to Oklahoma City. Kind of promote where you live. I mean, t- tell folks how, how, why they need to come visit out there. I mean, it's a beautiful place. It is. You know, I, uh, I'll never forget when I moved out here and my dad came out here and we were looking at homes and he, you know, was up in Northern Virginia, had never been to Oklahoma. And he said, you know what? Oklahoma City is not that bad. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, when you're in Oklahoma City, you don't really feel like you're in a landlocked state uh, because you have big bodies of water all over the place. There's a lot going on out here. Um, you know, not only uh, you know, do we have an incredible professional sports team, which you know as a meteorologist, when the sports team is named after a weather term, you're in a good place. But there's a lot of there's a lot of history out here, and and especially for those people that you know they they kind of fly over the central plains on their way out to uh, you know way out to the west coast, uh, find a time to, to to swing by Oklahoma City. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot to do here. Um, you know, from a social standpoint. Uh, you know, from just a relaxation standpoint, if you just want to be able to relax. Um, but number one is that if you're someone that says, I need to move somewhere, the cost of living in Oklahoma is much, much cheaper than really anywhere else in the United States. And so if you want to stretch your dollar as far as you can, trust me, uh, go out to Oklahoma. If you're looking at trying to buy a house, go on Zillow and just look at, you know, what home what homes cost out here. And you'll say, oh, wow. Uh, but you know, there's, there's a lot of good, uh, you know, and actually the mayor of Oklahoma city, just, uh, he just tweeted out just moments ago, said the unemployment rate in Oklahoma city is now down to 2.3%. That's below the national average. There's lots to do out here. Uh, a lot of big businesses are coming out here as well. Boeing is sending, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, their employees out here now north of Grumman, lots of oil, lots of natural gas. If you're someone that's looking to try to get a job and you want a career change and you want somewhere where you can really stretch your dollar as far as possible, uh, you know, definitely give Oklahoma a chance. You know, and the weather, we'll always have weather, but don't worry, there'll be people on television telling you uh, what to do when it gets bad. That's right. Well, Damon, we have really appreciated having you on tonight. Uh, glad we could finally get you back on. Uh, for our followers who are watching tonight and uh, maybe listening to the podcast later on, how can they get a hold of you if they uh, – ever around the Oklahoma City area and, and want to uh, get the weather information. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank, thank you, Damon. Appreciate it. And uh, you guys can follow Damon at, uh, at KOC. KOCO Damon Lane, I think, is uh, his Twitter handle there. So uh, Damon had to uh, to get going there. But, uh, guys, again, Oklahoma City, um, pretty uh, pretty busy. You know, I'm glad we don't have to worry about all those big tornadoes here. It's uh, the rare night when something's not trying to kill everybody out there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, guys, uh, you have any closing thoughts before we uh, before we log off for the night? I know we kind of teased the helicopter stuff, but if you really have not checked out uh, their helicopter pilot, uh, Chase, on uh, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, he's really cool. Post some really cool stuff, especially if you're in aviation. Uh, when storms come around, some cool stuff there, too. So check that out. It's a uh, pretty neat follow and uh I'm gonna, we're gonna have to work on getting him on the show here in the future too yes that would be a great maybe biased a little bit but that's uh, different uh, uh well uh, no. let me 
Do we, yep. do we talk to Chris again? Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, again, I've looked it up. It's at K-O-C-O, Damon Lane. That's how you can follow him on Twitter and meteorologist Damon Lane on Facebook. So um, again, just a great show. Uh, just, you know, the personal stories that he that he brought. In fact, Jared, I was actually saw your your facial expressions as uh, as Damon was talking. I mean, just some some crazy stories from from just his first year of being a chief meteorologist. You no, know, I mean, I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I couldn't imagine having to do my job thinking that my family was in mortal danger. Yeah. That that, that is that is that is cool under pressure. I mean, that that is like that is that's professionalism. That's it's getting it because he's right. If the meteorologist is freaking out, what do you think everybody else is going to do? I mean, they'll either turn him off because they think he's overreacting or they're going to freak out too. Yeah. There's something else. And, you know, Ricky, you, you are better at this than, than the rest of us here. You know, that, that severe weather coverage, have you ever thought about, you know, what it may be like covering severe weather where, where your home may be affected? I thought of it. I haven't obviously had to do it yet. Um, but it is something you think about a lot. And as Damon kind of alluded to, you know, the only way you can really do it, especially if you're the chief, is to kind of send a, a text or, you know, maybe have someone else try to reach out to them or throw it to one of your other team members and say, hey, you know, take this for a minute or two and maybe make a quick phone call. But that's about it. Uh, and, and that's a real struggle for a lot of meteorologists, too. And, and not so much the meteorologists, but for their significant others and having them understand that, hey, you know, I can't be there quote unquote, be there for the family when there's a big weather event going on because it's, it's my job, it's my obligation. And so it's, uh, you know, something you kind of have to talk about. And I've even talked about it with the girlfriends I've had said, Hey, you know, if there's a big weather event, it's, it's not that I don't care about you. It's not that I'm ignoring you. It's just, it's my job to, uh, to, to, you know, cover this for people on air. Cause a lot of people rely on us and, um, as Damon alluded to, you know, we're the people they turn to. So, And Ricky, as you say that, you know, and Jared, I'd love for you to jump in because you and I kind of do the same thing with social stuff. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, during severe weather coverage, you know, we may be doing Facebook lives or um, working with emergency management officials. Um, you know, I'll look at my phone from time to time and I'll have like, you know, 20 some text messages, Facebook messages from friends and family. And what's the story I'm going to do? How's it going to affect me? And you just, it's not that you, want to ignore them but you're just your your attention is, is not on that and, it, and it's kind of hard you know when these big events come around mm -hmm. because you don't want to think people to think that you're kind of blowing them off but it's just you know your mind's so set on, on what you're doing at the time getting you know weather information out you know as quick as possible yeah and it can be that can be a little a point of contention at times you know in, in my experience i mean i i've got a you know, I, I've got to try and keep that, you know, kind of front of mind at the same time. You know, I can direct some people to to, you know, what I'm doing. But, you know, if it's, you know, family and friends, you know, they're like, hey, I, I got his number. You know, it's like, hey, I'm married to him. He probably should be telling me first. And so uh, so that that's that's a balance that I try to find. That's it's 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 difficult. And I think and I found that in, in those kinds of situations, you know, when dealing with, you know, with family is that it takes a lot of planning up front. Um, and, 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 you know, early heads up is like, look, like I've gotten into the habit of saying, look, today doesn't look so good. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't look, uh, it doesn't look like a good day. Um, 
there, there could be something that goes that goes on, you know, or it's like, oh, the hurricane's coming. And of course, uh, you know, my wife, she uh, she knows better than most. She's like, nah, it's going to Wilmington. <laughs> so always goes yeah. Charleston. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but as Jared kind of was saying, what I did with during uh, Florence, Scotty and guys is I started doing videos about every night or so leading up to it. And then a little less frequently when it wasn't going to impact Hampton Roads, I was pretty confident it wasn't going to impact Hampton Roads. And that was kind of my way of, you know, letting people know without having to respond to every single message. And oftentimes I didn't respond to a lot of messages. It's just, or I would. And look at that. His friends cut him off. Yeah, yeah there it is. Oh, uh, you're back, Ricky. <laughs> Your, your internet went out, Ricky, so you might want oh, to say that. <laughs> uh, I was saying things. Um, you know, but just the, doing a video that then you get posted to everywhere uh, helped me a lot during Florence. Yeah, you know, Facebook Live is, is, is a great thing. I utilize that, you know, just, you know, what's your questions? You know, what, what, how can I answer these questions you may have? So, um, well, James is uh, in our little internal chat here, said let's uh, shift to tweets of the week. So, James, I'll let you go ahead and go first since – You've, uh, you've got a couple that you want to share. I've got a couple. I'm making up for lost time in the last few weeks. Uh, Damien mentioned this at the start of the show, and I'm glad Oklahoma was thinking about Pennsylvania because clearly I tweeted last night thinking about Pennsylvania and how much it looked like Oklahoma with all those severe thunderstorms and tornado warnings moving across the state. And to piggyback off what you guys were just talking about with family, I actually had my cousin driving across the state last night on the phone with me and sharing his location on Google Maps so we could route, route him around the cells. Backstory there being it happened to him twice. He was living in North Dakota a few years ago. I was working in TV. We were between newscasts. And he calls me and he goes, sky looks funny up ahead. I called him and uh, looked at the radar. I went, you have to get off the road now. He was driving right into a tornado. So those those situations certainly do uh, present themselves. Uh, the next tweet I want to show real fast, I will preface by saying I am working under the assumption that the gentleman is okay. But uh, we had this local storm report today out of New Jersey following all that severe weather yesterday. Train spotter reports lightning. Lightning struck a house on Candlelight Road, damaging most electronics and shocking an adult male holding a guitar. An electric guitar. Get- yeah, sometimes you get some really strange detail in these local storm reports, and I just wanted to ask clarification. Never got an answer. Was he the train spotter, or was the train spotter jamming with him at the time? <laughs> A little confused on where that information. Uh, I want to know if they were playing Thunderstruck. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, politics aside, this tweet's my own. Uh, the national weather, the nationwide presidential notification portion of the EAS was established in 2011. Just throwing that out there today for people who are freaking out some sort of brand new thing. And we were talking about it before the show on how the actual emergency alert system goes back to, what did you say, Jared, 1945? Some, somewhere around, uh, somewhere in the Truman administration, probably. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've been working on this for, you know, ever since there was a mass media. You have a tweet I, about it, don't you? I, I, I do have a tweet about today's test. Um, this is from uh, our good buddy, Dr. Shepard. Marshall Shepard. Um, you might have seen him on TV, Weather Geeks podcast now. Um, but you know, he's, he's, he's uh, you know, there's the, it, this is such a weird week leading up to this test. The weird last few weeks have been weird. It was the, the, the in, in case you missed it, which if you have a cell phone, you probably didn't. Uh, a uh, FEMA uh, tested the iPods system today. 
um, which uh, sends out an alert to everybody in the nation. It's the first time this has ever been done. Everybody in the nation, their cell phone, they got a, the what's called a text message portion has been done. The, the, the text message, unless you have AT&T, they had some problems. It sounds like a lot of, a lot of friends had some issues with AT&T today. Um, but it was the first time that they ever done a national WEA test. Now this WEA, um, if you've ever been put under tornado warning, wireless emergency alert, uh, if you've ever been under tornado warning, flash flood warning, they do it for blowing dust warnings out in uh, Arizona. Um, Amber alerts. Amber alerts. Exactly. Yeah. It, you've, you've, you've undoubtedly seen one of these at, at, at some point. And so it's the same thing. It's just at a national level and you can't opt out of them. You hope you never have to use this operationally, by the way. You, 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 this is one of those things that it, you know, I mean, they did not invoke this, the, the predecessor to this system on 9-11. You hope they never have to use this. But this is the first time they've tested it to all phones. And everyone was freaking but out phones, because... But they did a nationwide test a couple years ago because I was working. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes, I'm getting very particular about these details because everyone's making a big deal out of it, like Dr. Shepard's saying. Yeah, yeah, everyone is making it. So he says, you know, if you got the, just got the emergency alert, you now see how overblown and misconstrued it was. I do agree with the colleague that it should be called a national emergency alert. There is no message from a president. I get the angst, but this outrage yeah. was misplaced. No, Trump did not text you today. Um, it, 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 it would have been was, more typos had he. Oh, well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was the best test. We've never done anything like it. Anyway, so um, now We're I did some now. I, I, I did some reading on this and uh, I, I did some reading on the origin of the term presidential alert. And that has roots all the way back to the original emergency broadcast system. So when you're bringing this system forward, you know, into, you know, TV and, you know, radio TV to cell phones, you're going to tend to keep some of the same terminology. This is just how this has always been referred to. And as it turns out, we have a president who is very known for his cell phone and his tweets. And so I wonder, I wonder what kind of phone he has. Do you think he has a, is he team Android or team Apple? He was team Android. You don't um, think he's Blackberry like Obama? No, no, no. They gave him an iPhone. They did a story about this. They gave him an oh. iPhone. Um, but he was on, he was on, he was using his personal Android, which was like a galaxy S six or something like that. But, uh, but anyway, is it gold? Yeah. Time for an update. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So he's on an iPhone now from what I understand. There's, there's some article about it, but long story short, um, this test, you know, it, they needed to exercise it, you know, God forbid we ever need to use it. Um, and so, but there's a, just a lot of people freaking out over it. And, and the thing to keep in mind with these wireless alerts and this emergency alerts is that they've always had the ability to, to break into radio. They've always had the ability to break into TV. They have, uh, and, and now they can, you know, break in on cell phones. But at the end of the day, wireless carriers opted into this over federally licensed spectrum that are, they are using it for the public interest. So I completely agree with Dr. Shepard. I don't understand the, why everyone is freaking out. Yeah, I don't know. All right, Ricky, we'll get to yours because I know you, you said you have to, to jump off. All right, so these are some uh, not really cool images, kind of horrific images, really, uh, from the tsunami damage in Indonesia. Coda uh, Smith weathered deck on Twitter sharing an entire thread of these images. So uh, look at how literally the first area of land is now missing. The center area of land there is destroyed. We'll show you a few more here. There's a shoreline or what's left. Uh, the bridge that we've seen in some videos, that's gone. Uh, structure off the shore, which looked like a pier, 
that's missing. And uh, hundreds of homes just basically wiped out. And uh, some roads now gone. So a lot more images here. These? Say what? How did they capture these? Uh, these are from, I'm assuming, some satellite imagery. Yeah, uh, that was taken. I don't know exactly what satellite here. <clears throat> Can I just say, if you've made it to this part in the audio podcast and you have not yet moved over to the visual portion of the port program, this week's a good week to check us out on YouTube. Yeah, so uh, some crazy images oh there. My God, and I, and from what I understand, Ricky, they had some problems with their tsunami alert system too. Would not shock me. Yeah, the, the yeah. video. I've only seen really one video, guys. I don't know if you guys have seen any others. Um, if you have, let me know. Tweet me or send it to me. I've seen the one from the guy who looked like he was in a parking garage or something, and then, holy crap, a huge wave. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that is crazy video. Uh, pardon me wishes he would have stayed there and, and shown it, uh, but glad he survived and uh, and everything as, as many people obviously didn't. So, hey, hey, Ricky, let me ask you this question, and it's just occurring to me now. We had this big tsunami, as you're showing us, in Indonesia, but I feel like it didn't really make the news here. No, it, it didn't, which is weird. Um, I know it, Today's Show or NBC just got over there yesterday, I want to say, and was sending out some videos and stuff. Um, a lot of this area, from what I understand, is not very accessible, even still. I know they were trying to get to a lot of places still because of obviously the roads that uh, got washed out. And remember, tsunamis occur after earthquakes, as you guys know. And so you had the earthquake damage too. And then you had the tsunami damage. Um, so it was a bad combination altogether. But, you know, not that we have a huge risk along the coasts of America. We have obviously a tsunami risk, but things like this always just kind of uh, make you think, how badly prepared we probably are along the coastlines if we ever had a tsunami. Jared, didn't we have a scare and a, a false notification? Yeah, we had several. If yeah. nothing else, yeah. kind of just reminded yeah. everyone. Well, I, and, you know, and keep in mind, it was a tsunami in Indonesia that started the whole that in, yeah. in 2004 that started the the you know the trend to really beef up the tsunami warning system in the first place, mm -hmm. which is what makes that that much more remarkable that this has not been in the news here. Yeah, because that was nonstop in the news at the time. We could do a whole show on. Hey, we, you know, you're just talking about tsunamis. I'm going to talk to Dr. Kreitner, a good friend. Maybe mm -hmm. she can find us some good people to talk about tsunamis. That's a great idea. And in North tsunami ready city. So, yep. I've yeah, always wanted to. Thanks, Ricky. All right, Ricky. Yeah. Oh, so let me grab mine right quick. This will make a lot of you folks happy who are. Ending on a high note, I hope. Yeah, who are just so sick and tired. Whoa, so sick and tired of this hot weather. It's snow globing in Calgary tonight, or I guess last night. Can you make the full screen for us? I just oh. want to take in those snowflakes. Um, yes. Here we go. There we go. Let's play it again. Are there. you telling me it's actually October in certain parts of the country? Yeah, snow globing. Now, now, James, to be clear, that's Canada. That is Canada. You're right. But yeah. I do believe it's snowing in Montana. I believe I saw a few. That's what I was referring reports. to. Yeah, nah, saw, a, saw a few reports out of Montana of some snow. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, there is winter is out there, just not coming anytime soon, which doesn't really hurt my feelings, but it hurts a lot of <laughs> your feelings. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's all in the West. I mean, this this pattern that we're getting into is just a is this amplified mess of. Prolonged summer in the east and early uh, 
an early winter in the West. So, well, Jared, you know, we didn't get to talk really about weather before the show because we wanted to get to Damon. But like you were talking about, um, you know, this ridge has really built in here on the East Coast. I mean, honestly, it's not really going to break down anytime in the next week, two weeks, maybe. No way. No, it, it certainly isn't. Let me, and, and man, I had his. I, I think about going in the pool this weekend. What'd you say? You're going swimming? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Uh, hey, yeah, yeah they're they're, close, they're closing our neighborhood pool on the seventh. I think they may have uh, they may have made a mistake on that front. Truth be told, so. yeah. I, I mean, James, it, I'm sure you saw it today, but you know, Charlotte is projected to be at 90 degrees as a high the next two days, at least. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple more 90s projected for this for uh, this next week here in Charleston. We hit 90 today, um, <coughs> and and. We're, we're that that starts flirting with record territory at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just how close we get to that. Um, but uh, the revenge of October. I mean, I just want to point this out right now. And we've been scrolling at the bottom of the screen throughout the hour in the past week or so donation information for Hurricane Florence relief. But I've just switched it back over to current temperatures. And look, I mean, it's October the 3rd at 930. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we shouldn't. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we shouldn't have that. No. no, no. I've still got seventy-seven at the at Charleston Airport. I mean, this is absurd. I mean, the the regular high, the normal high, for October third is eighty. Yeah, look at that, eighty-four right now in Greensboro. So I'll say this much: we've opened the windows at night the last few nights, and our electric bill at the end of the month will thank us for that. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, one quick thing before we uh, hop off of here, we do want to uh, send our well wishes to Chris Jackson. He uh, battling a little ailment this week, so that's why he was not on. And Shay Gibson um, is en route to New Mexico for a family wedding, so that's why Shay's not here. But Jared, uh, why I bring up Shay is because Shay normally talks about the tropics, but uh, we're going to have to keep our eye in the Caribbean Sea this weekend mm-hmm. and to next week. We might, be, mm-hmm. we might be flirting with our next tropical system about this time next week. And if it gets in the Gulf, Katie, bar the mm-hmm. door. Yeah, that the uh, the tropical cyclone heat content. I was looking at that for a, a post a couple days ago. Um, I mean, it, it's bath water still in the Gulf. I mean, that's the, you know, it, it you know, you get towards October, you're gonna you, you got to start looking a little more homegrown at this point. You're, you're thinking Caribbean, you're thinking Gulf. You know, still out into the Atlantic a little bit, but um, models have been hitting on something there where it is it's hard to say it's still just kind of a signal right now but it is something it's still hurricane season folks. We're still gonna watch this thing hey james um can you toggle to the five-day forecast on this on the, uh yeah. give me a minute i can okay yeah, so i believe the, it's up to 30 I, think, I was gonna say i think it's up to 30 percent in the five day but i i didn't mm-hmm. want to say 30 percent without pulling it up there because yeah i'll just pull up the actual that's just, just a still image that folks are seeing on the screen so let me do this here for us real fast and so what we're saying is if you live even on the southeast coast if you live in the uh, the gulf of mexico you know we still have to keep those tropical uh, tropical um, um hurricane and, and tropical storm preparations i mean we still we need still to keep those fresh in our mind and and make sure uh, that that we are prepared if this thing was to develop into something. Because normally, when it develops there, you know your steering currents can take it anywhere between Mexico and Florida. But 
Uh, if it hits anywhere there in the central Gulf, that normally feeds moisture back uh, into uh, at least portions of the Carolinas, if not the entire Carolinas. So that's something we're going to have to watch over the next um, over the next week. Yeah, and just to illustrate this real quick before I, you know, I know we're running a little time, but, but, um, but running this, you know, running this graphic here, this is from weathermodels.com, their labs. This is the EPS, the, the European ensemble. This is the probability of a tropical depression. So we just, just looking for development, right? We're just looking for development in it. And the ensemble probability is starting to go up in the Gulf here. Uh, this is next Thursday. So, um, that being said, plenty of time to watch it, but something might be trying to brew out here. And, and it's certainly something that we're going to need to keep a close eye on uh, because, you know, it, it's not over yet. And that probability is, I mean, the EPS has been hitting on this, the GEFS, uh, all the ensemble, uh, the ensembles have been hitting on this a little more hard. So certainly something that we got to watch. Definitely so. So we'll keep, a, we'll keep an eye on that. And um, as we have been doing throughout this um hurricane season if something does develop we'll push out uh, those um, um, updates from the national hurricane center and then if it poses any threat to us here in the carolinas uh, we definitely will ramp up our coverage but something not to worry about but just something to watch over the next um next several days and see uh, what uh, development we may have from that so uh just looking at our show for next week we have the uh, mid-atlantic chaser con chris white uh, who is in the uh, Blacksburg, Virginia area. Chris is uh, one of the directors of the uh, first annual Mid-Atlantic ChaserCon that's going to be held in Richmond, Virginia towards the end of the month. So Chris is going to join us next week to talk about that, talk about what what inspired him to do a, uh, to do a, a Chaser conference and kind of talk to us a little bit about the guests that are going to be there. And then on the 17th, we have the Farmer's Almanac, Miss Sandy Duncan. She is the managing editor of the Farmer's Almanac. And she'll join us, and we're just going to have a fun conversation, you know. Uh, we're going to talk about how they uh, get their forecast and how they uh, produce all the stuff they do there at the Farmer's Almanac. And then we round out um, October on the 24th with meteorologist Rob Fowler there in the Charleston area. A lot of you guys uh, in the Charleston area watch Rob, and a lot of you followers here on our, on our social pages know Rob from previous shows. And then uh, the last Wednesday of the month is Halloween, and – we're all going to go trick-or-treat and dress like storm clouds and tornadoes and hurricanes. So we're going to have that night off. But uh, that's We will just... have an episode airing, though. Yeah, we're we will. I... One from the museum. I was, that's right. James is going is uh, producing the uh, museum episode that we had, and we'll have that airing. And, uh, James, I guess towards the end of this year, as we go into the holidays, uh, we'll have our, our special programming like we uh, did last year. Are you citing me for an uh, year in review? I just I just remember the last I time it. I remember you were sitting by the fireplace eating cookies and drinking mm. cider. That's right. <laughs> so true. It will happen again. Yes, we'll get that done. So uh, for anyways, thank you guys for watching this night here at the Carolina Weather Group. As always, uh, we'd love for you to follow us on our social media platforms. We also have a Patreon account if you feel um, inclined to donate or uh you know, the best thing you could do is subscribe to our face, our uh, YouTube page and to uh, our um, our podcast. And that could be on Apple or Google Play or Stitcher or all the uh, various uh, platforms of your podcast. Subscribe to us and uh, get the uh, latest um, podcast. We'd love for that. And if you have any guests or any show topics you'd like for us to talk about, send them our way as well. And we will work on that. I think we're almost full for the rest of the year. 
Uh, we may have a couple of shows in December we need to fill, but uh, we're already booking for January 2019. So I'm sure um, it'll be here quicker, quicker than we know it. <laughs> so anyways, uh, thank you again to Damon Lane, who uh, was our guest tonight. Uh, go follow Damon on, uh, on social media and uh, tell him thank you for, uh, for coming on our show. And as always, we hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the, well, I guess summer, fall, October as uh, Jerry was talking about. Enjoy the weather, and we'll see you back here next Wednesday night.